It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I think I don't I don't do trade or money or fashion. I do art. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 666 of Locked On Raptors for Thursday, February the 20th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. I apologize if I dubbed over some sort of demon voice for that 666, but hey, it's a big episode. So what are you going to do? You can find me, as always, on Twitter at WoodleySean. You can subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. It's very much appreciated when you leave those reviews. And also, please make sure you're checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got so much for you going on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got just about every single team in the big four sports, minus the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's covered off right now with a local show with a local expert giving you a daily perspective on that team. We also got a bunch of college programs covered as well. So there is no excuse for you to not be checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network if you like the sports. Uh, All right. On today's show, we are mercifully back into the NBA schedule, although Thursday's night slate of games kind of sucks. But the Toronto Raptors are playing on Friday, though, which is very exciting. They host the Phoenix Suns in Toronto, the first time they played the Suns this season, if I'm not mistaken. So that should be a cool one. And joining me today to talk about some breaking news, R.E. Mark Gasol and his hammy, and uh, just sort of look ahead to the final 27 games and talk about some stuff that we are hopeful to see from the Raptors. It is our pal, Big V, Vivek Jacob. What's up, man? Nothing much, man. Ready to get back into the swing of things with the season. It was a fun all-star break. Uh, it was a fun all-star Saturday night. It was an awesome competitive all-star game. I've been debating uh, how much the Elam ending could help uh, the regular season and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's been a nice break. Yeah, the Elam ending, I think, is the thing that will be spoken about from this All-Star game the most, even though Kyle Lowry probably should be the person who's talked about it the most on account of taking charges in the All-Star game, although we are not going to talk about All-Star today. No All-Star well, he doesn't questions. Want to. He doesn't want to talk about it. Kyle Lowry's wishes, so we're going to abide by Kyle Lowry's wishes. Uh, <laughs> 
go to Twitter and see Kyle Lowry's presser from today. It's he's the best. He's just always and will always be the best. Um, all right, let's uh, let's dive into this thing here. I guess the news out of today is that Marcus All is not going to play on Friday against the Suns. I personally was hopeful that. The elongated all-star break, I think nine days off for the team would mean that Gasol might return for this game. But as it turns out, he's going to be out a little bit while longer. And it's kind of unclear just exactly when he's going to return. And it also is unclear how serious the injury actually is or if he's like already fully healed and they're just being very, very careful with him, which would make some sense considering he's 35 years old and has had the same injury on the same hamstring twice this season now. And he's obviously very important to any long-term playoff aspirations the team has. So with the news today, and I think Nurse said somewhere between like eight and 12 games was kind of what they were hoping to get from Gasol by the end of the season. That seems pretty low to me. And as you made note of off air before we started recording, believing in Nick Nurse's injury diagnoses are, uh, it's a bit of a tricky proposition and has never quite been uh, a, a thing that you really want to try to get into. But Vivek, how, how are you feeling about this news or this sort of news or this update on Marcus and his hamstring are you concerned are you relieved that they're going to be really really cautious with it how are you feeling about uh big Spain not playing in games uh, at least coming out of the all-star break right away I, I definitely think being cautious with him is the way to go I'm 100% with that um I think he makes quite a bit of a difference to the Raptor ceiling enter the postseason because of who he can defend and the way he can defend and uh, you think about Nick Nurse wanting to go to different defensive looks. He's a big part of that. And so, yeah, exercise caution by all means. Whether I trust Nick Nurse's timeline is an entirely different thing. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I wouldn't be... So you said Nick Nurse was saying that he's only going to play another 10, 15 games the rest of the way. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he came back uh tuesday against milwaukee i wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he missed the entire west coast trip i mean as far as i see it he'll be back when he's back and the raptors will make the right decision by him i trust alex mckechnie um and the rest of the medical staff to figure out when is the right time for him to return back and i guess some of the additional concern probably stems from the fact that this is a recurring injury and something that he already dealt with in the past so I think maybe you exercise a bit more caution in that regard. And so, yeah, he'll be back when he's back. The Raptors are just going to keep rolling. Um, Serge Ibaka has been awesome at center. So I don't think it's too much of a concern for the regular season. And then, yeah, if if he's 100% ready to go for, for the playoffs, then we're okay. Yeah, for sure. I think obviously the playoffs is what matters most. I, I will say it's a little bit sad that we don't get to watch Marcus Gasol whip cool passes for the entirety of a season and the fact that he missed 11 games earlier in the year and is going to miss uh, seemingly many more now it, it cuts into our enjoyment time of Marcus Gasol which is a bummer and mm-hmm. you know I guess that's just part of the deal but you know he's fun to watch and it, it all just points to me wanting to bring him back next season on a one-year 25 million dollar deal or whatever just so we can watch him throw cool passes uh, over the course of another 58 or so games um, but 
in terms of what it means for the team, like, yeah, I think they'll be just fine, most likely. I mean, it might make their matchups against good teams more difficult. Uh, you know, the Milwaukee matchup, Gasol's pretty important in that with his shooting and his sort of last line of defense against Giannis defense that he can offer. He was obviously incredible in the conference finals last season and was a big reason, you know, coming out of like the coffin he was in for the first two games and becoming, you know, Mark Gasol, capital M, capital G for the final four games was a big reason why they were able to pull that out that and outlier Fred Van Vliet baby uh, <laughs> I don't know why that was a thing again this week but uh, here we are on the internet um, but so yeah I think it's it'll make the, the the tough games coming up and the schedule is not quite as cream puffy as it was going into the all-star break coming up here as they have the the Bucks saying three times between now and the end of the season they've got that western road trip where they play the Jazz and I believe the Nuggets in there as sort of the two tough matchups on that trip They've also got a homestand with like the Lakers and the Celtics coming up. So there are definitely some tough teams over the course of the next month that you would love to have Marcus all available for. But ultimately, I think I, I'm less stressed out now, I think, about the race for the two seed than I was before because of the heat lost so many games before the, the, the break there. And they've kind of fallen, I think into pretty much guaranteed to be the fourth seed at this point, unless they go on some crazy run, but like four games back in the loss column at this point in the season, quite a bit. And I think they're sort of falling back a little bit towards what their point differential would suggest their record should be. And so that two, three feels like it's going to be Boston, Toronto in some order. And obviously you want to have home court over Boston in a potential second round series. But at the same time, I'm like not, as as I was maybe about the Pacers in a, in a three six, and so I don't think the two seed is like absolutely necessary to secure easy passage into the second round. And so I, I think it's smart to err on the side of caution with Gasol. If it was more of a sort of three team race for that two seed, and there was that looming four five uh, potentially with Philly in the first round, I, I think maybe. I would be more on the side of, all right, let's exercise caution only to a degree and just get this all back out there and be careful with them and just hope and let it ride. But at this point, if they want to sit him out for the next month, I, I think ultimately that's probably the right decision because uh, he's very, very important once, as you said, they get to the playoffs and they can flex their defensive might against all sorts of different teams. And if you don't have Gasol available against uh, a potentially a, a Sixers matchup, I'm not sure that how that really is going to happen at this point unless they fall down to six. But um, you know, if you don't have him for an Embiid one-on-one, if you don't have him for that last line of defense against Giannis, you're probably screwed. So be careful and uh, exercise caution, I think is the right way to go. Uh, any last lingering thoughts here on Mark before we move to some other things? Uh, yeah, a couple of things I'll add is I know um, I'm in the minority in terms of the reality of the Miami Heat. I wouldn't quite rule them out in terms of that 2-3-4 mix yet. Um, I think they've got a bit of, uh, as you like to call it, a cream puff schedule for the next little while. So I think they can get themselves back into the race. And then it gets interesting because we, we know that March is a difficult month. And then... I think the other thing too is I, I just add the Celtics in there in terms of how Mark helps because we you, when we saw you know Serge Ibaka in that drop coverage, you know I, I think one thing that gets underrated with Mark is when he shows high, he does a great job with his hands of sort of disrupting uh, the ball handler and sort of just taking away his rhythm and just forcing them to make quicker decisions, uh, even though he's not the quickest. So, yeah, he matters in a Celtic series defensively as well. Um, ideally, you know, I think if he can come back, say, 
March 14th against the Pistons because I'm looking at the schedule. They've got a back-to-back on the 8th and 9th to close out the West Coast road trip. And then and then they've got pretty much five days off uh, before they pay, face the Pistons. So if you could come back, you know, get a couple games in against the Pistons and the Warriors, and then, you, you, and then, you know, you've got that extremely difficult stretch. Uh, I, I think that would be the ideal scenario. Yeah, you've got Sixers, Celtics, Nuggets, Lakers, three of which are at home, but that is the stretch after that Warriors game that you referred to. And yeah, that's uh, that's going to be ideal the worst case scenario. Sure. Obviously, the ideal scenario yeah. is like the next game, but the ideal worst case scenario would be that. Yeah, and, and I think that keeps about. Uh, let's do a quick, a quick counting job here. Four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, nine more games if he can come back for that Pistons game. And yeah. then, yeah, that Celtics one in particular is big because that is going to be wrought with tiebreaker implications. If Boston wins that, they have the tiebreaker. If Toronto wins mm-hmm. it, it'll come down to, I think, division record or some dumb tiebreaker, um, which the Raptors could very well have in their in their hand considering how much they beat up on bad teams in their division. So that's a big one. And, like... I think Gasol in a, in a Celtics series as well, and I, I should sort of throw that to the playoffs as well. I should have mentioned Boston because if you're looking at how those two teams match up, it is the Gasol, Ibaka, Siakam sort of trio of dudes who are taller than anybody else on the Celtics who kind of give me a lot of belief that the Raptors can kind of checkmate Boston at some point in that series just because of the size they have and just because they might be able to press many, many advantages because they're just so much more... Uh, just like physically imposing than, than Boston. And it kind of would be like, you know, the way that the way the Sixers do that against Boston, right? Where they just are so big that it's a little overwhelming, even though Boston's had so much success with their small setup. And then Kemba Walker is a lot like, you know, ask Steph Curry about Marcus Hall's ability to come hedge up high and allow the Raptors to stay small while also maintaining their versatility defensively. Um, he's going to be big in that matchup as well. Uh, so you good points there by you. Boston is, uh, yeah, if you can be back by that game, I'd be very, very happy. And the Sixers, obviously. I'm sure Joel Embiid is asking for uh, extra caution from the Raptors so that Marcus Gasol doesn't come in to take his lunch. But uh, <laughs> I guess we'll get to that point in a few games. Uh, the NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's carry on here, Vivek. I wanted to take today to sort of look ahead to the final 27 games. I think we know a lot about what this team is. I think we know that, you know, their defense is elite and is going to be able to give them the floor against most teams. Uh, Maybe some more questions on the offensive end as it's kind of fluctuated up and down in terms of the, um, just the ability with which they're able to gain looks in the half court. We know the transition game is ridiculous when they get it going, but sometimes they've gotten into, you know, into struggles against some teams, especially against like zones and stuff where they're unable to initiate that transition attack in a, in a really deadly way. We saw that just before the break against the Nets, where I think they got like a single digit 
transition points and also in that game against Miami, the sort of two flashpoint games that give you, I think, the most pause if you're looking at how this Raptors team can operate in the half court. Um, so for me, like the, the, the defense is not much of a question for me. And most of my questions lie on the offensive end and with individual guys. But I don't know. Do you have any sort of things that you're looking for over the final 27 games? Questions that you're looking to be answered by the Raptors that you're a little unsure of that might uh, go a long way to, to determining you know, how you view their, their ceiling in the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I think the one thing I am looking forward to seeing if it develops is sort of Pascal Siakam's aggressiveness when he is struggling. And mm-hmm. I think we've noticed that, you know, he's he's sort of unselfish to a fault where it's like, oh, I don't have it tonight. Over to you, Kyle. Over to you, you know, Serge, whoever. And I think... Uh, we, we've seen glimpses of that lately. Um, you know, the, the Indiana game comes to mind where he stepped up in that fourth quarter. And so I think just fighting through uh, that and, you know, not to call it selfish, but I think at the end of the day, the Raptors aren't going to, this version of the Raptors isn't going to realize its ceiling unless, you know, Siakam sort of fights through those moments um, and doesn't defer. And so that's one big thing that I want to watch, especially with these tough games coming up. If the teams start taking things away, is he going to still continue to, you know, fight through some of that and look to uh, create? And because let's face it, if they're if they're playing him for for the pass, even if he's getting the ball, you know, at a certain point he's got to show that, hey, I'm going to go for the shot, and that almost forces the defense to collapse a bit more, if that makes sense. And then it makes yeah. the passing easier. Um, and so, yeah, th- that's probably the one big thing that I'm looking forward to developing outside of that. Honestly, I just want to see this team healthy. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you forget that Norm's still out. I just did yeah. forget Norm was still out until I, I looked at the injury report. <laughs> and that seems like it's going to be a little while still too. Hopefully he can come back around that same time. Um, in somewhere in that road trip, or maybe a little bit later, or maybe before. I don't know how long finger injuries take place or take to recover. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you took the response right out of my mouth. It's the entire Pascal Siakam experience that I'm most intrigued by to close the season. Just I obviously he's excellent, and obviously he has blown all of our expectations out of the water this season, and it's a big reason why. They are 40 and 15. I mean, his on-off numbers are ludicrous. They're they're just insanely good when he's on the floor on both ends of the floor. And, you know, so that's not a concern to me necessarily. It's just sort of the late game stuff. It's the taking over the offense when he needs to. And look, there have been a lot of positive signs as well, right? I think we've seen him run, pick and roll and stuff like that in clutch situations. And it's worked out pretty decently. You know, not every team offers a D'Angelo Russell to pick apart uh, mercilessly possession after possession, but you know, some teams do offer that. I mean, think about like a Boston series, if they can find a way to exploit that Kemba Walker matchup and get those switches, then like Pascal is going to eat. And I, I think as good as Jason Tatum has become defensively this season, I think that's a really tough guard. And so I think seeing Pascal sort of, move into that more sort of killer instincty. It sounds so sports radio. We like he's got to have the killer instinct and the clutch gene. It sounds like idiotic, but it's kind of a thing with him or you are right. He does get a little bit passive at times. He does, you know, and I do think it's out of the desire to make the right plays and help the team right. sort of be healthy, right? It's not out of like a him being selfish and, you know, forcing things that aren't there. 
it's like exactly the opposite of that. But I do mm-hmm. think sometimes he should force those things a little bit because he's damn good. And I think maybe that's why we see his free throw numbers not be terribly impressive is because instead of just like saying, fuck it, I'm going to go drive and try to just like pick up some fouls and get to the line. I'm going to pass out of this double team and, you know, just sort of relocate, relocate to the corner and hang out. Like if he just like absorbs that contact a little bit more and sort of plays like a superstar looking for those calls, you know, it's not, pretty but it's certainly effective and efficient to get those free throws and i think we'll start to see his efficiency numbers climb a little bit as he gets there because he seems to sort of um pick and choose his spots to 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 almost a fault at times where he's you know just he's he's so passive at times that he's like all right i can just take this three that's fine instead of just being like fuck it kelsey ockham i'm insanely fast and have a spin move and i can get to the rim whenever i want he doesn't doesn't quite do that but i think he has it in him and i think Hopefully this final 27 games is sort of a continuation of what we saw, I think, during the streak where they started to empower him a little bit more in those late close game situations to just be the dude. And if he can't get it done, then you have Kyle Lowry and Marcus Gasol there to help create other things. And you have Norm Powell potentially to be a bit of a spark plug who can offer a bit of off the bounce creation and all that good stuff. And obviously Fred Van Vliet will be there to knock down all the threes uh, and, you know, be powerful Mr. Father with the magical baby and all that good stuff. But um, I I think Pascal's development as a closer continues to be the most interesting thing for me. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Elsewhere on the roster, like, it's tough, right? Like, we kind of know what they are. They're so damn good. Their their defense is excellent. They, you know, they, they play just like a really cohesive style of basketball. Is there something else down the roster in terms of like a depth chart thing, in terms of rotation thing, minutes thing, uh, or like a player who whose performance you think is going to matter a lot more when you get to the playoffs that you're kind of keeping an eye on outside of Pascal Siakam? Well, if if we're looking specifically at depth, I would say the the longer this Marcus Ole injury lingers and the way this Raptors season has gone you have to start wondering about what Chris Boucher would look like in real playoff minutes. Yeah. Uh, or at least, you know, how much more of, uh, how much more of nurse, uh, how much more of Rondé Hollis Jefferson at the five does nurse go to, you know? Um, so obviously that was an interesting uh, look uh, against the wolves and him defending Carl Anthony towns. But yeah, uh, depending on, on health, uh, you know, I think, uh, you might want to just sort of get those contingencies in order and sort of get Rondé more looks at the five, get Chris Boucher more uh, looks at the five and sort of say, hey, you know, just in case, we need you to understand what's happening in these minutes at center because the way this season has gone, you know, we need you to be ready yeah, I am. Uh, I don't like to be anti Chris Boucher because it's gotten me into trouble before. Because I literally tweeted the day he got good. Uh, I don't think he's an NBA player, and then he kicked the Lakers' asses, and he was an NBA player. And so I don't like to be like skeptical on him because he is super fun to watch, and his minutes are always entertaining for 
better or worse, like he's always doing things that catch the eye. I do think to me, I would like to see more of that Rondé at five thing because I just think he's a better option as a, as a backup five. Like I, I don't really buy that Chris Boucher is a five, really. He's just <laughs> so slight. His rebounding is not particularly good. I, I, again, this is kind of it. Kind of goes to my. I'm not sure Chris Boucher is like long for the Raptors or the NBA. Really, like he's exciting and does a lot of cool things, but he is too slight, I think, to play traditional center and i think at power forward he's kind of misused because he's not a good shooter as much as he thinks he is he's just not like he's shooting you know probably i don't know the exact numbers but i think he's in the 20s from three this season and he seems like he hasn't made a three in months and like ronde yes he can kind of get a little overzealous at times but i think he's a lot better at just sort of understanding the things he has to do when he's playing that small ball five role like he's a good screener he is a good roller he is a good passer and he's a good offensive rebounder that's basically all you need from the center in that situation you know obviously when you have Gasol in there you're able to you know open things up and get a little bit more creative and have a way more expansive playbook that's not really the case when you have Rondé out there but you don't need it to be like there's enough shooting and there's enough sort of threats everywhere spaced around a Rondé screen roll that I think you can kind of get by and with a more rudimentary style offense and Rondé excels at those very few things. And obviously, you know, he, he can't space at all and he's not going to be a shooter and he gets a little bit sort of overzealous. I think at times defensively, even though he's a very good one-on-one defender and at center, you're not really getting the most out of his defensive tools unless you're changing up the matchups on the other end, but then you get into some other issues obviously. And so I just, he just seems to fit the role despite being five inches shorter or whatever it is than Chris Boucher. He just seems to fit the role a lot better to me. And so I'd like to see more of those Ronde at five minutes. If they're going to have this Gasol injury continue, I wouldn't mind seeing it just to get the, get a sense of it. And also, I, I mean, with this Gasol news, I think it increases the likelihood that they might go try to pick up a big man on the buyout market. And look, obviously, we it's really, really, you know, the big men you get in the buyout market are often Jason Thompson, who did nothing, really. And it's hard to expect much. But if like a Bismack Biombo gets bought out, not just for the uh, fun, wonderful chemistry he would bring and just the joy of seeing Bismack back in a Raptors uniform, like he might actually be a bit more of a useful guy who can kind of slot into a role and actually play it well as opposed to just kind of freelancing the way Boucher and even Rondé does to an extent as that backup five when uh, when Gasol is out and you need someone behind Ibaka um I don't know what are your thoughts on that like do you think they should be looking for other big man help or do you think between Rondé and Boucher or like O'Shea Brissett who maybe gets converted at some point here like do you think the answer is lying within one of those guys I think with the way this season has gone, I, w- I would lean more towards having some kind of insurance. And so if there were a possibility to bring Bismack Biombo into the picture, uh, I think he's the type of team guy who would understand that if both Mark and Serge are healthy, that he's probably not going to see the court. But um, if there is injury, that he would be needed. And so, yeah, I, th- I think if you can find the right big who would understand exactly the predicament, uh, the Raptors face and the exact scenarios in which they would be useful to the team, then yeah, I, w- I would definitely lean towards at least having that option on the cards. Like, honestly, I'm really surprised that Houston's just going further and further all in with, you know, the small ball and signing Damari Carroll and Jeff Green. Like you, you gotta at least have the option, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's the way I see it. Like, what's the harm in just having a seven-foot guy there that can play that isn't Tyson Chandler, you know? So, um, 
I think that's a bit of a weird one for me. So I think when you look at the Raptors, if, if, if one of Gasol or Ibaka is hurt, I would like to at least know that there's someone like a Bismack or, you know, I think the Tristan Thompson one seems unlikely. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, just having that option there, I think, would, would is something I'd definitely be in favor of. Yeah, I think, again, I think the Gasol news today and the fact that they're going to be cautious, even if he does come back, like, you know, Nurse says 10 to 12 games, it could mean he comes back on Tuesday and just takes nights off, doesn't play back-to-backs, and is very cautious right. as they close the season here. Um, and so if you want to do it that way, I mean, it could also work, and you could get that guy in relatively soon, obviously, the bio deadline is March 1st and you need the team to actually buy out the guy first. Uh, and I can't even think off the top of my head of any other sort of big men who would even fit this bill. Although you would think there would be a lot considering all the similar big men who were signed that summer, who are all expiring this year. Um, <laughs> you'd figure like half the, half the league would be those guys, but I guess like yeah. Mozgov isn't a player anymore. And Joachim Noah is a, a corpse somewhere. So it is pretty much Bismack in terms of guys who are uh, easy off the top of the brain type of dudes. But I just, I, I I feel so dirty saying that I don't believe in Chris Boucher, but I don't really believe in Chris Boucher. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just, I don't want to trust that dude in a playoff series. I don't think as fun as he is, like he's the ultimate garbage time player. He's the ultimate, like throw him in and see if some crazy shit can happen player. And a lot of times crazy positive shit does happen, but when he's out there like he was in that Brooklyn game where it's just he's offering nothing and he's taking ill-advised threes and not even looking at passing and is you know getting beaten on the, on the glass and on the defensive end just because he's too small and frail, I, I think that really sort of opens my eyes to the fact that they need to be looking at some other sort of big man help. And yeah, just looking up and down the standings, like the Knicks only have power forwards, so they don't have anyone to buy out. Um the I mean Biz is there. It's tough. There's not a lot of dudes. <laughs> like mm-hmm. it's pretty slim pickings. Like, I mean, maybe they could go to the G League and like call it like some do something like uh there's not really anyone on the nine oh five. Hey, they don't really have any bigs. You know, the only real big they have is Henry Ellenson, who doesn't really fit the bill. Um and you know, is actually a small forward if you go on his most recent NBA run with the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, it, it's tough. Like there's not a lot of options. I don't think Devin Robinson's really the answer. He's more of like a he's kind of Chris Boucher, like skinny and dunks a lot. That's kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. So not a perfect situation. And obviously you'd prefer to have Marcus all back, but um, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll, they'll do their due diligence and find someone. Maybe it's someone else in the G league who has showed out somewhere who I uh, do not have off the top of my brain. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm excited to have the basketball back. I'm excited to watch Serge Ibaka continue to kick ass as the starting center. Cause he's been great. And it's been really fun to watch him this season. He got the shout out on the low post today. Uh, or yesterday from Zach Lowe on his very sneakily awesome season. He's been a delight, and I, uh, I I truly, truly love watching him play, and I'm glad we get to get more surge. That's that's always a good thing, but this Gasol more thing scarves. I think will hang a little bit. Yeah, more scarves. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, we've been, it's been nine days since we had any sort of scarf content, so uh, looking forward to that. I wonder if he just went on like a scarf shopping spree while he was on vacation. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> One can only hope. Uh, I think that's about a good place to wrap it, though, man. This was good getting the getting the basketball talking muscles flexed again. I've been talking all star for four days, uh, so <laughs> excited to get back into the real stuff. Do you have anything you would like to promote? Um, if you haven't read it already, I wrote a Pascal Siakam uh, feature on him looking to go from all star to superstar. 
And yeah, you can find that on Complex Canada. You can find it pinned to my Twitter profile, which is at Vivek M. Jacob. And besides that, you can just look out for my usual stuff. Oh, I do have a piece either coming out later today or tomorrow morning. Um, it's sort of 15 moments of the 15-game win streak to look back on. Hell yeah. And that's about it. That sounds like that sounds like it's right up my alley, considering that 15-game win streak kicked ass. And uh, I think we should appreciate it for what it was. Even if the Raptors flame out in the second round in triumphant fashion, that 15-game winning streak will go down as the thing that made this season a success, I think. Um, so go read that when that's out. Will that be at Republic or Complex? or That'll be at Complex as well. Right on. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's very much appreciated when you do that. Uh, you know, buy We the Champs if you haven't bought We the Champs yet. And uh, some good news coming down in a couple days. So keep an eye out there as uh, I'll have something exciting to announce in the offing. The very near offing is what we're mm-hmm. talking about. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And until then, we'll be back again. I think I'm going to actually uh, pulling an audible and actually going to the Suns game tomorrow. So uh, probably the podcast from the arena after the game at some point, if not on Saturday morning. So keep an eye out there. And uh, that will do it. We will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.